This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. You're listening to The Jeff Fisher Show. The experiment was a success. Begin Life Force Reboot Program now. Stand clear. Life signs stable. It's alive. Set it loose. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. That it is. Welcome to it. How in the world are you? Good to see you. Thanks for coming along for the ride today. Politics, the campaign for presidency, is Trump a racist? I think you know the answer to that. State Department won't provide election day. All Clinton schedules of her meetings as Secretary of State before election day. Is that a surprise? No, it is not. The rest, the rest is all gobbledygook. You know that. We have all this going on, and we ignore or just disregard what else is going on. Like, um, we do realize what Facebook knows about us, but we let it slide. I mean, if people were on the phone asking you the questions that Facebook knows about you, you would just slam the phone down, or you would say, um, that's none of your business, and hang up the phone. But Facebook knows. Facebook knows more about you than your friends, probably. And I know. And it's not just you, it's me. So I'm going to say we. I'll replace you with we, because I'm in on this with you. I am along for the ride. And it uses all the info for what? Oh, I know, to sell ads. And they sell the details to different brands. And they are making a killing. And I'm not I'm not against anyone making a fortune. It's just, you know, it's kind of information maybe we only trust with some of our closest friends. Maybe one person knows the answer to all of these. Questions and more about yourself? Maybe. But it's been a gold mine for Facebook. Advertisers, I love it. Every time you hit the thumbs up button, whether it's on a pop star, your favorite football team, TV show, goes into your permanent file. And the model, the mathematical model that allows it to just keep building a clear picture of who you are. Now, I do enjoy the 
assuming your privacy settings allow it. Uh Uh-huh. The real secret, though, Facebook is always trying to track you. Whether, and me, I got to change you to me, to we, us. I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it with you. It's not just you. It's all of us. And I know some of you are saying, I'm not on Facebook, and that's the reason why. Okay. Thanks. But any of the websites that have buttons embedded on it, that is going back to Facebook. Same if it's installed the Facebook Pixel, a piece of the tracking code, websites host, which lets a social network know when you visit them in return for Facebook sharing information about you. If you let it, Facebook also knows where you are physically via the IP address of your computer, your phone GPS, and it's so it's easy to work out you know where and when you go to work, the job you have, the smartphone app can track what photos you've taken, where you are, and send offers to nearby businesses. And if that wasn't enough, Facebook has they have outside partnerships. Like with the credit reference companies, Experian gives you financial information. And by taking all this data and blending it in with what it knows from your likes, your statuses, it has a detailed picture of who you are and what habits you have. Now, we've done it. We've done it to ourselves. We signed it away. We've signed it away when we joined first Facebook right from the very beginning. And, of course, Facebook insists, you know, it collects this data uh, to make your experience more satisfying and show you the only things that you most want. And all the data is... Goes to advertisers with no name. Just the profile of things. Now, I know, you know, that we're worried about Facebook, you know, peering over our shoulder for every photo. But you know it's only the beginning. And do we enjoy, say, looking up, uh, you want a new sofa, so you go to a furniture store? website, and I mean almost immediately, your Facebook ads change to furniture stores or sofa sales, bedroom sales. Do I enjoy that? Kind of. Because that's what I'm looking for at the time, right? But when you get to the list of what they know about us, you start thinking, oof. Man, I mean, you want that, you kind of want that Facebook plausible deniability. You just, you want to know, but you don't. You don't really want to know. We just, it's like social media blindness. It's a, it's a, we don't really want to know. No, you know what? No. I don't want to know that they know our location our age, generation, gender, language, education level, 
field of study, school, ethnic background, income and net worth. That's the top 10. They have 98 points of references that they use for their algorithm. Home ownership and type of home, value of home, size of your property, square footage of home, the year your home was built, who lives in your house, whether you have an anniversary approaching in the next month, if you're living away from family or hometown, whether you're friends with someone who has an anniversary. And you say, I mean, how do you know that? They give you they give you the year look back post every day. Whether you're friends with someone who has an anniversary, newly married, engaged, recently moved, has an upcoming birthday, if you're in a long-distance relationship, if you have a new job, if you're recently engaged, if you've just got married, if you've moved to a new house recently, when your birthday is coming up, parents, expectant parents, mothers divided by type, which includes soccer moms or other maternal tribes, If you're likely to engage in politics, whether you are a conservative or a liberal, relationship status, employer, industry, job title, office type, interest, whether you own a motorcycle, if you're planning to buy a car, if you have purchased auto parts or accessories recently, if you're likely to buy auto parts or services, the style and brand of your car, the year of your car was bought, age of your car, how much money you're likely to spend on the next car, where you are likely to buy your next car from, how many employees your company has, if you own a small business, if you work in management, or our executives. That's 49 of them. Top it off at 50 with if you've donated to a charity. Divided by what type of charity? Don't forget these are 98 points of references that they use for their algorithm. Your operating system. If you play browser games. If you own a gaming console. If you've created a Facebook event, if you've used Facebook payments, if you spent more than average on Facebook payments, if you administer a Facebook page, if you have recently uploaded photos to Facebook, internet browser, email service, early late adopters of technology, if you are an expat or what country you left, if you belong to a credit union, national bank or regional bank, if you are an investor, number of credit lines, if you're an active credit card user, credit card type, if you own a debit card, if you carry a balance on your credit card. If you listen to the radio, that's 70. Shaking your head yet? What TV shows you like, if you use a mobile device and what brand it is, internet connection type, if you have recently bought a smartphone or tablet, whether you access the internet through a smartphone or tablet, if you use coupons, the type of clothing your household buys, which time of year do you do most shopping, whether you are a heavy buyer of beer, wine, or spirits, what groceries do you buy, that's 80. I admit, I'm with you. I have, I don't want to know. I know you know. I know it. I got it. I know you know. And if you ask me, is it okay for me to know this? I say no. But when I want to use Facebook, I click, okay, that's fine. I don't care. And it's with any social media. You know that. Any social media, uh, we have plausible deniability, that bias of, I don't want to know. Yeah, they know it. I don't want to know. 
Number 70, if you listen to the radio, what TV shows you like, if you use a mobile device, or what brand it is. We already made it to 80. I already went by this. If you use coupons, what groceries you buy. Let's go to 81. Whether you buy beauty products, whether you buy medications. Whether you buy, spend money on household products, whether you buy, spend money on products for kids or pets or what kind of pets, if your household makes more purchases than the average, if you tend to shop online or offline, the types of restaurants users you eat at, the kinds of stores you shop at, if your interest in adverts offering auto insurance, mortgages, or satellite telling, length of time, user, you have lived in your house, if you're likely to move soon. If you're interested in the Olympics, football, if you travel frequently, whether you commute to work, the type of holiday you enjoy, if you have recently returned from a vacation, if you have used a travel app, whether you were involved in a timeshare, 98 points, 98 points of reference. that all boil down to you. You want plausible deniability? Pretend you just didn't hear that. Because so much of this, you can answer and say, well, they can't know that. I never put the address of my house. I never put How big are well, how big the house is, where it's at. But the photos that you have, a lot of photos are taken inside the dwelling you live in. By that you can pretty much tell. How much furniture you have in your house that you've purchased. Pretty much tell how big your house is. If you have two or three sofas or one. Do you have three to five televisions or one? Pictures of kids and animals in the yard, how big the yard is, what kind of neighborhood it is. Pretty much houses are the same in, you know, like neighborhoods. You're unlikely to live in a trailer in a neighborhood when you show a picture of the backyard and it's got the roofs of, you know, five big houses. Your house probably isn't a trailer. That's how they know it. So 98 points of reference gets you what you're looking for in the Facebook ad. And they are making a fortune selling that information. I know. I'm with you. I don't want to know. But you need to know. You need to know what we've clicked away. So a few years ago, and this is Facebook. I mean, they look, Google is right there with them. I take a picture on my phone. It's automatically on my Google share drive. It's there telling me, hey, did you want to do some of this photo or am I just sitting on it for a while? It's all okay. All the websites that you visit frequently, all, you know, they know it's you. Oh, it's IP address, dot, dot, dot. Here's another story that's kind of like the one you looked at last time. Did you want to see this one? Here's another story you might be interested in. Oh, yeah, I would like to see that. Okay, cool. Yeah, I would like to see that. Of course, 
plausible deniability, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And now that I do know, I don't want to know. Pretending that I don't know. It's uh, social media blindness. I uh, No, I don't want to know. I can't hear. Deafness, blind, dumb, no. Don't tell me. And if you'd like to just be part of the plausible deniability crowd with me, you can follow me on Facebook at Jeff Fisher Radio, Twitter at JeffyMRA, and Instagram at JeffyMRA. Yeah. Go ahead. You don't want to know anyway. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. is the Jeff Fisher Show. That it is. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Welcome to it. Coming up after this show, Chris Elsado, Mike Slater, Joe Pags, back to back to back, all live on the Blaze Radio Network, just for you. On behalf of the Blaze Radio Network, you're welcome. So I'm going through some, uh, <laughs> since since we were just talking about Facebook and our our blindness, our our media bias, our I don't want to know, our plausible deniability to, no, it doesn't matter. I, nobody really knows, and I don't want to know. Just don't tell me. Just remember that everything that goes on the Internet is there forever. Forever. I used to think that was a great ad they used to have, uh, they used to see on television. It may still be around. I just haven't seen it in a while. Um, where it shows uh, young people, younger people than I, uh, taking pictures of themselves and putting it up on uh, the uh, up on the board in the school. And then it, they tear it down, but it comes right back up. And they tear it down, but it comes right back up. And they tear it down, and it comes right back up. And, you know, the, uh, the, the line up with that is... Um, it's on the internet forever. You can never just take it down. Okay. And there was a couple of, uh, you know, there's always stories of the stupid posts on Facebook and or Twitter that people probably wish they could take down, but they do it without really thinking. Like, uh, I'm not a bloody taxi service. If you want a lift, I expect money. The reply to that, um, that would make you a taxi service. Canadians think the Titanic was a real event and not just a movie. How dumb can you be? I really hope you're kidding. (laughs) And many of these have to be. I mean, people can't be this stupid, can they? Really? Really? They can't be this stupid, can they? 
like Luke, as an airplane is about to crash, a female passenger jumps up frantically and announces, if I'm going to die, I want to die feeling like a woman. And she removes all her clothing and asks, is there someone on this plane who is mad enough to make me feel like a woman? The man stands up, removes his shirt, and says, here, iron this. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. is the phone number. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffyMRA, Facebook, Jeff Fisher Radio, and Instagram at JeffyMRA. Mark, you are on the broadcast. Hello, sir. Yes. uh, Hey, Jeffy. Uh, My, uh, you know, grandkids, they and their, there's two little games they play now. And it's, one is called Blank Face. Where you 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 know you're goofing over on uh, Facebook, yep. And they place different profiles on it, yep. And another one they call it Google spoof, yep. And they they're having a really good time of it, and <laughs> it's they own several computers, several smartphones, and dummy phones, and you know. You know, they, they, they're more electronically inclined than I am. Well, Me, I came kicking and screaming into the 21st century. Well, why did you do that? Why just leave it behind? Well, I had to take a course at college, and uh, there were no more typewriters around. <laughs> you can see typewriters in the museum these days. Um the, uh, in fact, I own a couple of really old typewriters that I refuse to get rid of just because they will be in one of the Glenn Beck museums soon. Uh, they're both uh, from different centuries and uh, are different different decades, and uh, they uh, they look really cool, and I like them, but I wouldn't use them uh, other than just to show off. But one of the things that we have to remember, uh, Mark, is that you know the the when you're using all those uh, little games where you're putting your face uh, online and and uh, and uh, goofing on it, um, we're putting your face online as well. Uh, your grandkids have got their face out there for everyone to see. And at one point, you have to just. I know it feels like we have to just give in. I get it. I get it. It doesn't. You know, it's part of the deal. Um, you know they're gonna they're gonna know right. Everybody knows that's why the head of Google for um, uh, thanks, Mark. That's why the head of Google you know was was a, a years ago now said that everyone's going to have to have a new uh, profile and a different name, change their names when they become an adult uh, because there's going to be too much information of everything that happened to them uh, in their you know pre adulthood years online that they're not going to want employers or new friends, new peers to know that it was them. And that's, you know, that's a little frightening. Uh, but, you know, soon, and we're pretty close to a fishbowl mentality for everyone. Just 
assume you're always on camera, you're always being listened to, is a little frightening. There's no, uh, I don't care what university says they have a safe space, there is no safe space anywhere. Okay. Except that we may, I may have found a safe space. You know, I was reading a story the other day that talks about a, a luxury apartment complex in Los Angeles that uh, provides on-site Botox injections now. And I thought, well, you know, why not? Right? Why not? Do you, you buy, you get an apartment and, uh, you know, you can move into this apartment complex and, hey, our washer and dryers are free. And... Uh, Hey, uh, you live here, you pay your rent, but water and your energy uh, is paid for by us. And so why not get uh, higher-end clients by saying, hey, we'll give you a free Botox. Uh, we, you know, you get Botox shots, too, while you live here. Just You just have to make an appointment. Um, soon, we'll have complexes, and I'm sure that there already are, really, uh, that exist where, you know, you just have a doctor, and this is where you live. You pay to live in this community, and this doctor is here, and he's for you. I'm not really opposed to that. But a place where there is nowhere. You know what starts this weekend? Burning Man. I really would be fun to go out to Burning Man. Um, It is an unbelievable event, if you don't know what it is, uh, in the desert of Nevada uh, that turns into what they call Black Rock City. Uh, probably about 70,000 people go there, and they turn it into a huge city with neighborhoods and, and different areas, and it's pretty much run by the people. It's fascinating how it works. And every night they burn an effigy of whatever it is, and then the final the final showdown of the week is uh, the giant man, the giant burning man that burns. And uh, it's really cool. And you are in the middle of the desert. And I was hoping to talk to someone um, – uh, it's going on, you know, it's happening out there. And, uh, uh, you know, just say, hey, we're starting this year and we're expecting this many people and we're all set up. And so I emailed the one uh, the one guy that uh, I know works for uh, Burning Man. I should have talked to him, you know, a week or so ago before they hit out in the desert because he was like, we have sketchy connectivity this far out in the desert and almost zero phone service. So there are places you can go. There are places you can go where there ain't nothing happening. But I am in love with Burning Man for some reason. I always have been. And I don't necessarily, you know, I watch the videos and they they post stuff all the time. The pictures are cool. You can go to the website, you know, the burningman.org, I think. And um, it, uh, yeah, it's burningman.org because I wanted to, you look at their uh, 10 principles of Burning Man. And... Larry Harvey, the founder, one of the founders of uh, Burning Man, um, had the 10 principles. And he's still – I mean, Burning Man is huge now. They just bought a huge swath of land. Uh, it's not where Black Rock City is, but they're going to have – it's out. It's in Nevada, and it's like 3,800 acres, and it's going to be their, their own little uh, track of you know Burning Man world. But when Larry started it, he was in San Francisco and was doing it on the beach for 80 people. And then, you know, then it moves to Labor Day and weekend and it's, uh, you know, it's got a few hundred people. And then it's, we're going to move out to the desert and we'll call it Black Rock City and we'll do it for a few hundred people, maybe a thousand. And then, you know, now we've got, and that started in 86, I think. 
And so now we're up to, you know, 70,000 people in the middle of the desert, Black Rock City for Burning Man. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. And the 10 principles of Burning Man. I love their logo, too. I want a hat or a shirt. Dear Burning Man, I looked at your store on your website. There is no shirt or hat with the Burning Man logo. I want it. I may just make one, and you'll just have to sue me if you see me wearing it. Because I like it. But the 10 principles of Burning Man, radical inclusion. Anyone may be a part of Burning Man. We welcome and respect the stranger. No prerequisites exist for participation in our community. Gifting. Burning Man is devoted to acts of gift giving. The value of a gift is unconditional. Gifting does not contemplate a return or an exchange for something of equal value. Decommodification. 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 In order to preserve the spirit of gifting, our community seeks to create social environments that are unmediated by commercial sponsorships, transactions, or advertising. We stand ready to protect our culture from such exploitation. We resist the substitution of consumption for participatory experience. Oh, my gosh. Yes. (laughs) You know, for a week in Black Rock City in the desert, okay. Radical self-reliance. Burning Man encourages the individual to discover, exercise, and rely on his or her inner resources. Radical self-expression. Radical self-expression arises from the unique gifts of the individual. No one other than the individual or the collaborating group can determine its content. It's offered as a gift to others. In this spirit, the giver should respect the rights and the liberties of the recipient. Communal effort. Our community values creative cooperation and collaboration. We strive to produce, promote, and protect social networks, public spaces, works of art, and methods of communications that support such interaction. Civic responsibility. Leaving no trace. Participation. Immediacy. Immediate experience is, in many ways, the most important touchstone of value in our culture. We seek to overcome barriers that stand between us and a recognition of our inner selves, the reality of those around us, participation in society and contact with the natural world exceeding human powers. No idea for this experience. No ideas can substitute for this experience. Immediacy. The ten philosophical principles of burning men. Do you know that the days and after burning men, the airports, oh, say like uh, the Reno, Nevada airport, uh, the Reno Tahoe airport, over the next several days, busiest airport in the world, 17,000 burners We're going to have 70,000 people and 17,000 pass through the airport. I mean, that's pretty good. Airport officials said last year Burning Man bound travelers from 34 countries. 
Now, you watch some of the videos and you think to yourself, you know, that doesn't look like a lot of fun. You're in the desert. You don't have any real comfort. I like running water, electricity, internet. But you're in the desert. You're riding your bike. You're living with people. You can run around naked if you want. You can watch the burn man. And you can burn everything. You can go around and just be a part of the Burning Man experience. And remember, while you're there, the ten principles of Burning Man. Okay? They stand ready to protect our culture from such exploitation as (laughs) unmediated commercial sponsorships, transactions, advertising. I hate that. I mean, if you're in the middle of the desert of Black Rock City, sure, why not? I mean, but then they have areas where people, you can buy and sell stuff. So I guess you can't even say, hey, I've got this for sale. You just kind of got to sit there and hope somebody comes by. Yeah. Guess what? That's the way advertising was invented. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. That it is. So there are some people unhappy with the, uh, you know, the growing of Burning Man. Like they bought uh, the fly. It's called the Fly Ranch, and they it's like thirty eight hundred acres in in Nevada, and it's not, you know, Black Rock City is a, you know, a few miles away, quite a ways away actually, from where Burning Man actually takes place. And Burning Man will continue to take place in the desert where they normally. You know what they call Black Rock City, but they bought Fly Ranch and they bought it for like six million or seven million bucks, um, which you know pretty fair price for thirty eight hundred acres of land. Uh, but they're talking about uh, um, in two thousand twelve, we became a nonprofit with the intention of amplifying and extending Burning Man culture. Fly Ranch has the potential to expand Burning Man projects, activities, and existing programs, as well as amplifying Burning Man's cultural impact into the wider world beyond Black Rock City. Buying the property was the first step on a long journey as stewards of this unique piece of land. Our foremost responsibility is to ensure it will be maintained for generations to come. You may be asking yourself, what does this mean for us? What can we do with this? How will this benefit the community? The answers will unfold slowly over a period of time. We're a long way from defining exactly what will happen at Fly Ranch. And it goes on and on and on until we get to the comments. And you would, the comments are exactly what I would thought they would be. I am in love with them. I got to say, this stinks. And it not just from the Geyser Sulfur. This was bought with our ticket dollars, which in turn is generated from our art projects and is going to benefit what exactly? Oh, this. 
As a year-round site, Fly Ranch has the potential to expand Burning Man projects, activities, and existing programs, as well as amplify Burning Man's cultural impact into the wider world beyond Black Rock City. Ha! How many of us are going to spend one minute there? What are those activities and programs? And when will we find out? Oh, right. The answers will unfold slowly over a period of time. The BMORG, burningman.org, is looking more and more like an out-of-touch elitist cult out to prolong a certain lifestyle for inner circle of folks. Not a happy burner here. (laughs) Tremendous. Tremendous. Burning Man, this weekend. Go if you can. Enjoy it. I know last year I celebrated uh, the burning of the man. There's seven days left uh, before the man burns uh, this year. And uh, they put it up online. There were people uh, posting uh, videos online. Uh, The man burns. Countdown. Countdown to Burning Man. So sit back and enjoy it. Pretend you're in the middle of the desert. Have somebody throw some sand in your face. This is the Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. The experiment was a success. Begin Life Force Reboot Program now. Stand clear. Life signs stable. It's alive. Set it loose. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Hold on, hold on. Hello, welcome to the broadcast. This is the Jeff Fisher Show. If you'd like to participate, 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Before this broadcast on uh, on Saturdays, uh, Michael Pelka takes the air from six to nine. It was uh, enjoyable uh, listening to Mike today on the radio. Uh, he, uh, you know, filled it with his you know country he wants to move to and a family member. Great, uh, Chris Salcedo, Mike Slater, and Joe Pags uh, immediately uh, after this broadcast uh, coming up live on the Blaze Radio Network. And then Sundays, of course, you've got David Barton, Bill Handel, Jackie D, a little gun talk, a little Hollywood 360. My gosh. And then Monday through Friday, Doc and Skip, Glenn Beck, Buck Sexton, Jay Severin, Pat and Stu. <laughs> I don't even know why you'd want to go somewhere else, but, it, you know, there really is no need than the Blaze Radio Network. I mean, right there, what I just got done giving you, <laughs> you're welcome, is all I can tell you. Okay. You can follow me on uh, Twitter at JeffyMRA, uh, Facebook Jeff Fisher Radio, and of course, Instagram at JeffyMRA. I've got a handful of stories. We've got uh, later today, we've got, uh, we'll check in with uh, uh, Chuck in Florida, see what's happening down there. And then I want to talk to another man from Florida, uh, Scott Dietschy, who uh, is, uh, I mean, mafia expertise is his game. And I want to talk a little mafia with Scott. Uh, He's written several books on the subject, and uh, he's now giving tours. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, I want to I want to talk some mafia with Scott. So I'm really I am looking forward to that. And and, uh, and it uh, you know look, I know I am a mafia freak. I got it. Okay. So 
It's the way it goes. Now, I was, I've was i got a ton of stories to get to that we never have an opportunity to get to uh, throughout the week on Pat and Stu, throughout the week on Glenn Beck, even most of the time, a lot of times on Saturdays uh, when, you know, when the show is live. Um, I, I never, you know, I've got stacks of stuff that I come in here and I try to get to them and we never work it out. And I never, you know, and then I leave here and I think, oh, we'll get to it. And now that we end up, I never get to it. I never do. And I'm like, well, why, why didn't I, I mean, we should have, we should have talked a little bit about that. I should have tried to get to that. And I, I did, but I just, just seems like we never get to like, you know, one of the breaking stories today of a mural in Dallas that's brand new that everybody's having a fit over is uh, the mural in downtown Dallas of Lee Harvey Oswald in the new arts district of Dallas. And people are all wound up about it. And one of the comments was that uh, it was going to bring uh, it wasn't it was it wasn't any good for the for the for the district. Uh, boy, do I disagree with that. First of all, uh, even if it was a, a mural of, hey, look at Lee Harvey Oswald, he's great. People would come to be pissed. And if it's just a mural of Lee Harvey uh, in downtown Dallas, uh, let me see, Lee Harvey Oswald, downtown Dallas, or the president, we had a big X in the middle of the street where he was shot. So, I mean, I'm I'm guessing the mural is a little bit of a draw for the arts district, so I I tend to disagree with uh, with the lady from the Dallas arts district. But then I see a story here that we, you know, things... Things that are disappearing. We talked uh, earlier about um, social media and how much information they have on us and where we're at as far as, you know, the world and our fishbowl world that we all live in now. Uh, I mean, there's cameras and everything's following. uh, Everything's following us forever. Uh, However, uh, one of the things, there's a list here of things that are slowly disappearing. Smells. Smells that are slowly disappearing that you never, nobody's ever going to know what they smell like anymore. Number one, diesel exhaust. Now, you may say to yourself, that's a good thing. (laughs) Uh, But the city buses, semi-trucks don't smell like they used to. When they accelerate in the you know that cold morning, um, that black exhaust when they used to belch. Remember all that? Oh my gosh! The sulfur content in the diesel fuel, along with the catalytic reduction, and uh, heck, some of the trucks are now not even using a diesel fuel or very little of it. So you don't get it. You don't get that diesel fuel smell. Freshly opened. Polaroid film. And you're thinking, film? What the heck is film? Polaroid ceased production of their instant film in 2008. The foil packs used to produce a Swedish chemical odor when they were first torn open. It was the official smell of photography for a lot of kids. Yes, it was. The camera was the Polaroid swinger. And I would add to this that is not on the list that uh, gives it that order was uh, albums, uh, LPs, when you would open them. That was the the magic of opening them was that getting that first, 
that first whiff of of vinyl disappearing. Magic markers. Smells that are disappearing. The classic glass-bottled-bodied magic marker. First marketed in 1952, and until the early 1990s, the ink formula included a mixture of toluene and X and xylene. Toluene and xylene, two solvents which not only had a distinctive and unpleasant odor, but which also contained intoxicating properties when inhaled. Today's permanent markers get their color from less fragrant alcohol-based inks. Those bastards. <laughs> Here's one that, uh, boy, no kidding, has gone away. Long gone. Cap guns. Cap guns. Even if you didn't have a toy gun handy, it was uh, easy enough to shoot off caps by striking them with a hammer or even a rock. Boy, no kidding. The gunpowder sulfur smell of an exploded cap is another aroma that immediately propels many minds to summer days spent playing cops and robbers. Oh, my gosh. You can't have your children playing cops and robbers anymore. That's, oh, you'd be sent to jail. Sent to prison. Sent to prison. And you well-deserved prison time for letting your kids play at cops and robbers. <laughs> wow. Uh, man, I, I actually know I have a pair of uh, cap guns uh, in my garage somewhere, along with two other households of stuff. We started on that. <clears throat> um, no, um, you know, we'll we'll just go through it and we'll take it. But, you know, if you just keep it in your garage, that'll be fine. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, oh okay. Uh, sure. Sure. No, no, no problem. Um, it's been it's been a couple of years now. You want to come and get it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll. Don't forget that stuff is mine now. I won't forget it's yours when I'm throwing it out. I guarantee you that. But I know in that stuff, in my garage, there's a couple of cap guns. But if I can't get the caps, <laughs> if I can't get the shoot-off caps, I mean, that kind of stinks too. Like the caps stink. But, I, you know, you remember shooting those off, man? Tremendous. And in honor of Burning Man, an aroma that is slowly disappearing, burning leaves. Burning leaves. Coming in at number five, burning leaves. One of the indicators that autumn was winding down and winter would soon be here was the crisp air filled with the smell of burning leaves. The breeze had a bite to it by the time October rolled around, and the ground was sometimes coated with a fine layer of frost. But the smoke from the pile of leaves everyone on the block seemed to burn somehow smelled warm and comforting. Pollution concerns caused municipalities in the U.S. to enact open burning bans beginning in the 1980s, and today residents are encouraged to either rake and bag their leaves or use them for mulch. Of course, compost piles do have their own aroma, but it's not particularly enticing. <laughs> Man, you can't get away with burning leaves anymore. Although there are some places we were up in, uh, we were up in Oklahoma, and there were a couple places uh, when we were up in Missouri that they were doing that. Uh, so you can still get away with it in a few places, uh, rural areas. You can still get away with burning some leaves, but no way in any municipality. Where we live now, you start burning leaves, you'd be, uh, again, in prison. You'd be in prison right next to your kids for playing cops and robbers. You'd all be there. Wow. That'd be 
horrific burning leaves. We used to burn them in, uh, but the good thing is, you know, some people would just pile them up and just burn the pile, right? And so you got to stand there. <laughs> uh, I mean, my I remember my grandfather burning everything, burning the trash, burning the leaves, all of it. And he had his compost pile uh, out behind the woodshed. No problem. Uh, that's where the compost pile for the garden and everything was out behind the woodshed. But the the uh, the trash, all of it, burned. And he had a big uh, barrel. Every so often, every couple of years, he'd get a new barrel, a new one of those big oil drums, and set it up on a couple of bricks with a grate that you had over top of it. And all the trash went in there, and you know. When it filled up, you'd burn it. <laughs> Try doing that in today's world. No way. No way. Now, these are some stories that are kind of, I don't know, really kind of, I don't even know if I want to do them. We can talk a little bit about, the, I don't know that I want to do these stories. It's kind of, I'll do the headlines for you, Okay. Just remember that this is, you know, I get it. I get it. But it's unlike me to not do a story just because it's kind of, eh. Disgusting facts about ancient Roman life. Now, this title is disgusting, but really it's just about ancient Roman life. And we've talked about uh, some different ways that people lived in the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages. Here are some ways that will remind you of, as the title says, disgusting facts about ancient Roman life. People washed their mouths out with urine. I don't know that I believe that. In some areas, people used urine as a mouthwash, which they claimed kept their teeth shining white. Hey. Okay. There were people who made their living just from collecting urine. That's a good gig right there. When you think you're having a bad day, remember in Roman life, there were people who made their living collecting urine. And there were special, and one big surprise, the Roman life is over. Government had a special tax in place for urine sales. <laughs> uh, some would gather in public urinals, other went door to door. Hello, I was wondering if you have any urine I could buy. Number two, so when you start thinking to yourself, man, this day stinks. I've had a rough day. I don't even want to get in my air-conditioned car and drive home to my air-conditioned house, see my wife and kids. I just don't, I'm so tired. just don't want to do that. Remember, you could be... Hello, I'm here to purchase urine. According to this, you shared a sponge after pooping. Toilets regularly exploded. Women rubbed dead skin cells of gladiators on their faces. Usually the dead skin cells were discarded, but not if you were a gladiator. Their sweat and skin scrapings were put into a bottle and sold to women as an aphrodisiac. Often this was worked into a facial cream. 
Women would rub the cream all over their faces, hoping the dead skin cells of a gladiator would make them irresistible to men. The dead skin cells of gladiators would make the women irresistible to other men because they wanted gladiators so bad. Think about that for a second. Think about that for a second. They vomited so they could keep eating. So? Some people vomit today so they can keep eating. Some people vomit because they don't want to eat anymore. Horrible disease. Charioteers, according to Pliny the Elder, people of Rome patched up their scrapes and wounds with goat dung. The best goat dung was collected during the spring and dried, but that fresh goat dung would do the trick in an emergency. Some Romans used goat dung for energy. It was the it was an energy drink. <laughs> They boiled goat dung in vinegar or ground it up into a powder and mixed it into their drinks. They drank it for a little boost when they were exhausted. This wasn't even a poor man's solution. Nobody liked to drink goat dung more than Emperor Nero himself. Goat dung. The first Red Bull. Perhaps maybe that's where Red Bull comes from. Goat dung. I am so tired. Oh, man, if I only had a cup of goat dung, man, get me through the day. Here we go. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. It is. Now, I was reminded as I told you uh, some disgusting facts about ancient Roman life, and one of them was you shared a sponge after pooping. And it goes on to talk about how gross the public bathrooms were, and, you know, people would carry special combs to shave out stuff, Uh, you know, lice, bugs, parasites. And uh, so, you know, the public toilets were shared by dozens of people and they were never cleaned and they were disgusting. Now, I saw an ad. I don't know if it's real. I'm saying that it's not real. But I found it online. I found it online. And it's uh, it's called My Shiny Hiney. <laughs> it can't be real. It can't be real. Now... I'm told, just listen to a little bit of the video if we have it. Just listen to the audio of the video. There's nothing better than feeling clean and confident. But are you really right? as clean as you should be? Not unless you've taken care of a very personal area that requires special attention. Oh, I don't know if this Stop is resorting one. to one of these options. Now there's a solution. It's My Shiny Hiney. 
a specialty cleansing brush with an ergonomically designed handle to easily access that difficult to See? spot. My Shiny Heine comes in six colors and includes a now, suction cup shower holder, so wait. it's always right where you need it. The wait, there's more. The brush is specially designed to reach every fold and wrinkle. Plus, there's a soft silicone brush for fingertip control. Literally, wait, there's more. My Shiny Heine is especially handy if you have a limited range of motion due to age, injury, or stiffness. Good hygiene is the first defense against infection. Wait, there's more. My Shiny Heine puts unparalleled cleaning power right in your hand. Order my shiny Wait. honey now for just nineteen ninety nine and experience See? the joy of bucks. truly plus five bucks. And there's more. My Wait. shiny honey cleansing cream available in free fragrance. Yes, it removes odors and impurities to leave you Wait. fresh. Wait, what and is, is there another kind of cream? And for a brighter complexion, there's my shiny honey lightning cream. Thank you. The container the, thank you. Okay, that's enough. I don't want to hear anymore. You, you can't. That can't be real, right? Come on now. Come on. My shiny honey. Stop it. Cannot be real. Although, although, you never know. The Jeff Fisher Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Fisher show. Okay, I, uh, I, I, I'm in love with America all over again. This is what I mean. America is great. All right, thanks to uh, my shiny honey, which I apparently is is real, and I'm, I'm and, and that was that threw me. That, I, had step, I had to step back a little bit for my shiny honey because I didn't believe that it was real. But because of that, because of like. Minded videos of my shiny honey. It got me to look at a thing called the Freedom Wand, the personal hygiene device. Now, the Freedom Wand, you can it plugs into you can hook your razor on it too, and it gives you an extension. It's like a hand extension, okay. And it's uh, and you can you know they show you you can you can uh, use it for personal hygiene. Uh, included in that would be a you know a razor stuff like that. However, then I moved on to the comfort wipe. All right, so the comfort wipe uh, doesn't look like you're going to put a razor on it. Although I guess you could try, but it's mostly a, it's an air suction pocket uh, with the, you know you just suck the pocket in for the for the uh, for the toilet paper and a tremendous device. Why I don't have this in my home, I don't know. But this is why I love America. Okay, these are these 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 cannot be. Don't tell me. Don't tell me these were designed somewhere else in the world. No way. I won't hear of it. I will not hear of it. This is these things are what makes America great. Devices like this. Okay. Another thing that makes America great is weird people, weird happenings, weird things. In a state where a lot of weird things happen other than Texas, and I have a couple of Texas stories for you today, uh, is Florida, which is why we check in with Chuck in Florida at this time to see if any events have taken place in Florida that, you know, are important enough for us to delve into. 
Hey, Jeffy, how's your shiny honey today? Greetings. Not as good as it's going to be once it arrives. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't wait to buy one. I know, right? Right? I'm just looking. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, though. I, I, I got to dig the extra video links for all the other um, yes, shall I'm telling products. Yes. Yeah, it's so truly. America great. <laughs> and so do things like weird stories in Florida. I mean, you know, there is there's no way to get around them. They're there every week. Let's Speaking have of, them. How about man jailed for oral activity on boardwalk? And shall we delve into the Trump campaign chief, Steve Bannon, who is a registered voter at a vacant Florida home? That okay. one kind of says it all right there. Uh, and, and you spoke of Facebook earlier today. Here's one. Man clicks like on Facebook and gets tripped to jail. Oh, see? <laughs> nice. I want to know what happened there. I Tell me I they're not tracing you on Facebook, right? I think I can uh, guess, yeah. Right, right. Deputies, uh, they get a picture of a man who steals $10,000 on Florida lotto tickets and send him to jail because he posted the picture of him uh, winning the $1,000 lottery ticket from the scratch-off. So, yeah, we, we, we found the, the guy pretty easily after that. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah. And then i got to tell you my favorite of the week is the shooting scare at a Florida mall sparks the inspection of Joey Fatone's new hot dog kiosk. You know Joey Fatone and Sink, the only guy. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Had kind of a deeper voice than the rest of the children on that. Uh, <laughs> I, of course, he was 27 at the time when he was in NSYNC, but nobody mentioned that, you know. Uh, Joey Fatone, it's not bad enough that, you know, he's got that. The, I, I never realized this until the story pointed out that, you know, he, he's opening this Orlando-based hot dog kiosk in the mall. And it's going to be a chain, apparently. And the name of the chain is... Is his last name, but they spell it with a capital O, which comes out to fat ones. <laughs> so instead nice. of Fatone, it's now fat ones, and you can buy your own fat one in the Florida Mall, apparently, and walk around with it. That's great. Nice. That's actually, yeah. he, should, he, ought, he ought to not fight that. No, I, I, just I, let I think that he's one actually be. embracing it. Yeah. 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 Uh, just the let story that goes be. that they... <laughs> Apparently, they had some big balloons uh, in the uh, kiosk area, and uh, the balloons went off. Four of the balloons popped, and it, it did cause a bit of a mass panic. People were running around in the mall thinking they were being shot at. Oh my gosh. Uh, they had to close down the mall for a while. It was not a pretty scene, but Joey Fatone. Then they, then they relaxed and had a fat one, and everything was okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nobody, nobody commented on that any, any further, but, you know. No, I'm sure they it. didn't. No, no. So, yeah, Joe, right. Joey Fatone in the news for, for fat ones. Um, the Florida like that gets the man a return trip to jail, uh, he had been given a restraining order against his ex-wife or ex-girlfriend, I, I think the story said. And uh, he violated a court order and was told, uh, you know, no contact with your ex-girlfriend at all. But I guess he went on her Facebook page and he liked a photo. So they arrested him and put him in jail for clicking like. I don't know that I th I don't know that what what to think about that actually. You know, I I get stalking is bad. You don't want people, you know, roaming around on your Facebook profile if you've been given a restraining order. But really, you you're going to you're going to send somebody to jail over 
Now, it, if he made comments and he was harassing her or, you know, and a lot of there's a lot of that predatory stuff happening on Facebook. Unfortunately, people go a little ape, bizarre, crazy, you know, and, and they do things like that. However, it just said he only clicked like on her photo. Right. Right. Do we really need to be sending people to jail for that? I I know. I don't know about that one. I'm kind of I'm kind of I, really I am too. Yeah. Uh, unless it was part of I'd like to see what the actual restraining order from the court was. Uh maybe he was not supposed to have any you know contact and if they specifically mention um any you know social media contact. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean I don't know. It it, that, it, it would it does stand seem to a little reason much. today. It, it does. I mean, the, the you know, does the punishment fit the crime kind of scenario? But again, like I said, stalking, predatory actions on Facebook, uh, uh, the trolling that they call it, you know, when you're just making somebody's life miserable hell. Uh, I have no it idea happens what you're talking about. Every day. No, I, I imagine you wouldn't. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what are you going to do? I mean, you move on and, and you talk about the man who was jailed for, uh, shall we say, oral activity on the boardwalk here in Treasure Island, Florida. Oh, really? I got to say, this is probably my, my favorite quote of the week because of the way he kind of tried to wiggle his way out of it, um, so to speak. He said, uh, yes, uh, he said that he was <laughs> he was an emergency responder and had to assist the victim <laughs> and he was on duty. <laughs> so wait a minute. What, wait a minute. For oral activity. Wait a minute. So right. it wasn't oral activity on himself. It was not. There was a female involved, and uh, she apparently was mostly fully clothed. Uh, there was, you know, no visible um, disrobement. However, cops did report that his member was in plain view. <laughs> wow. Now you look at this guy, and I don't yeah. think anybody's ever going to res- or any, anybody's ever going to mistake him for a first responder. <laughs> you know, the, the picture of this dude—he's—he's he's homeless. Is what he told the judge. I I can't. I don't have any place to have sex, so I have to do it in public. Are you profiling? Oh my gosh! What the <laughs> hell kind of person said. are you? I'm I'm looking at a photo and reading a picture uh, description. That's all. Oh, this wow. guy has a long white beard and long scraggly hair, and uh, <clears throat> looks like he could use a shower. <laughs> so I mean, that's and and that says to you not not being a first responder. Okay. <laughs> Right. All right, right. Mr. Hater. Well, it is Florida. I mean, if you've ever seen people that no, I think what says not having a first responder is that he had his shorts around his ankles and he was wearing nothing else. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so what, but what happened? What was with the, the other human being that was with him? Was that? that well, was, there's the twist to the story. Apparently, no file, uh, no charges were filed on her as they said she required other medical attention. And and. You, you further read into the story, and it says something about the man was jailed on lewd and lascivious and, you know, um, performing in public a sexual act. And then there was the charge of drug paraphernalia and various other things. So I have a feeling she may not have been in her right mind. No. No, I just, no. you know, first responder, I don't ever assume anything against first responders, but uh, he may you. have flipped her Mickey. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's very possible that she slipped herself a Mickey, and then he wanted to slip her a first response. A Ralphie? What? what? Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> All 
All right, Chuck in Florida, thank you. You can go check it out. Uh, check out all the stories that we uh, mentioned today and uh, talked about and also the headlines at chuckinflorida.com. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hey, weird. Thanks. Uh, also, uh, to tie in with, uh, you know, hey, look, Florida is not going to take anything away from Texas. You hear me? I won't have it. I won't have it. Texas has got to catch up. And we started this week with uh, a uh, couple who were busted for having sex inside a home that the lady had just sold uh, the day before. She knew it was empty and uh, had her boyfriend uh, stop by and uh, they were going to have sex in the house. Now, they got caught because somebody, one of the neighbors, uh, of course, a nosy neighbor, uh, noticed some suspicious activity and called the police. Now, right off the bat, she lies, which was stupid. Come on now. Um, They hid... (laughs) stupid house then they lied that they had just bought the home and then they got the ids from the cars and then they smelled marijuana and they found some pop and a a pot and a glass pipe uh that uh, the lady confessed it was hers so they lied about owning the house which you know why why not lie that the pot wasn't hers and so what the, the hard thing here for me to understand is now she has sold the house right uh the day before, the new homeowner decided to press charges since the lovers didn't have permission to be there. Come on now. You were not in the home. You weren't in the home. I get it. I get it. But really, think about it. If you bought a house and you're not moving in for a week, maybe longer, even just a couple of more days, right? And we've got uh, uh, remodeling to do, whatever. And then the you're going to change the locks anyway. It's a new house. You never. I mean, you're not. People aren't that dumb, are they? You buy a new house and you don't change the locks. So, and you know, and, and the realtors have their real estate lock special thing on there, anyways. They got the key. Um, you're going to press charges, really? That one hurt me. I, I would I would say that if I was the homeowner, I would say, no, I'm not going to press charges. I'm not going, you know, come on. Yes, it's wrong. Um, she's already gotten busted for having pot and a glass pipe, said the story. They found some pot and a glass pipe because the cops smelled marijuana, did they? But then you're going to press charges on the on the girl. I mean, she must have ripped you off pretty bad. You must have thought, hey, <laughs> I knew I paid too much for that house, and this is the way I'm getting back at her. This is The Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jeff Fisher Show. That it is. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. So scientists at the University of California in Los Angeles are reporting something that is kind of cool. A 25-year-old man uh, in a coma came back 
And how did he come back? Ultrasound. Low energy ultrasound. Uh, targeting the thalamus, the part of the human brain that is typically impaired after a coma. I mean, come on. It's quite possible they helped jumpstart the man's brain by exciting the neurons in the most affected brain region. Now, they plan to study this procedure on several more people in the fall, but uh, he's like uh, the only one that they've done this for. Now, reporting in the journal Brain Stimulation, and I must admit I haven't received my copy of a Brain Stimulation journal yet, but uh, man, when it comes in the mail, I'm going to be all over it because it's got this story in it. Uh, pioneered the technique called low-intensity focused ultrasound pulsation. Low-intensity focused ultrasound pulsation. The man went from minimal signs of being conscious to three days later regaining full consciousness, language comprehension, as well as you know he had some limited communication skills, and he did a fist bump. So pretty amazing. From an ultrasound. Now, I'm not sure how or why they came up with, uh, hey, let's try an ultrasound on uh, the guy that's in a coma. But it's good that they did, right? So when you get your copy of when you get your copy of the journal Brain Stimulation, look for the story on low-intensity focused ultrasound pulsation, and uh, you'll already have a jump start. Oh, did I did I mean that, or was it just a sad joke? Eh. So we're going to talk a little bit of mafia next hour. And plus, I've got a one of the best ideas for a party that I've heard in a long, long time. And I'm going to share that with you next hour. But I'm telling you, if you and your friends want to get together and have some fun, this would be some tremendous fun. I'm not going to tell you now. I mean, you got to wait until next hour. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah, you greedy. This is the Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. The experiment was a success. Begin Life Force Reboot Program now. Stand clear. Life signs stable. It's alive. Set it loose. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks... um, we're going to be talking to uh, the daughter of Meyer Lansky, the mobster. She has a book called Daughter of the King. Uh, her son, uh, I'm familiar with and kind of friends with from Tampa. Uh, and that's where uh, a lot of this uh, took place. And I'm hoping that uh, we get uh, my man Scott Dietschy on because they're giving tours in Tampa now uh, called the Mafia Tours. Uh, and it's really kind of cool uh, what they're doing, uh, giving the tours. And Scott has written numerous books about the Mafia and specifically about 
the mafia in Tampa. And I'm fascinated by our fascination and my fascination in particular with the mafia because they're not, well, they're not really good guys. And we know they're not good guys. But we've become, uh, we've become like they're these great men and some women, but mostly men. And yet they're not really. They're bad guys. You know they're bad guys, right? Of course you do. You do. All right, so let's talk a little bit about The Walking Dead for just a just a reminder. Uh, the Walking Dead, uh, the new one, started last week. Podcast is up. Um, I want to like these people. They give me no reason to like them. They give me no reason at all to like them. Uh, Very difficult to like them at all. So I just can't wait for The Regular Walking Dead to start. And we'll live with Fear the Walking Dead. And we'll kind of say, oh, that's great, uh, wonderful, no problem. But um, you know what? Uh, No. Uh, No, we're not going to be doing that. We're just going to live with fear and they're just – I don't know what their deal is. I think really what their deal is is that they've decided that we didn't really want to do this. They made us do this because it was in our contract. So we're just going to do enough to make it kind of good but not really. And so when they say, hey, it's really not that good, we can say, what do you mean it's not that good? Sure it is. No, we're going to have to cancel it. Oh, no. Please, no. You mean we just have to focus on the regular show and not the others? No, please say it isn't so. I'm hoping that that's the case. Because if it's not, then I'm very disappointed in them. Very, very disappointed with them. All right, so my man Scott Ditchie, Cigar City Mafia, The Silent Don, Balls, The Everything Mafia Book, Green Collar Jobs, Rogue Mobster. Those are the books that the man has under his belt so far. Scott joining us on the broadcast. Scott, first of all, what prompted you to get involved in writing about the mafia? And do you write about them because you love them or you want to prove that they're not really good people? Um, Well, I grew up in Jersey, so that's the answer to the first question. (laughs) just uh, always a fascinating topic. Uh, you know, I grew up, my mom loved the old Cagney, Bogart gangster films. Uh, right. And really, yeah, really after I saw, you know, I grew up outside New York City, so it was always on the news. Like, I remember when Paul Castellano was shot, you know, when Gotti was big in the in the mid-'80s uh, when I was in high school. Um, but after I saw Goodfellas is when I just started doing some reading and research, and uh, I, I'd moved to, the, uh, to St. Pete uh, near Tampa at that time. And... Uh, started doing some research on the mob and just got fascinated. Um, I don't really, uh, I think it's more of a fascination of, of their, uh, their impact of history in the United States and uh, how it influenced pop culture. I don't necessarily um, try to come down on either side. You know, I'm not a mob fan groupie in that sense, but um, certainly it's kind of interesting how they became so powerful in this country and I, I think not only how they influence pop culture, how they influence um, 
the way law enforcement is, the way law enforcement approaches organized gangs now. And as far as them being not nice guys or nice guys, yeah, you know, I, I've met quite a few over the years, guys that have been in witness protection or have left the light, guys that may or may not still be involved. And it's, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of them are just gamblers. Some of them, you know, really a lot worse. But it, it, it's just kind of a fascinating piece of, of not only American history, but each of the individual cities where, where the mafia is active, uh, we'll take in Tampa, for example, uh, very influential in a lot of the, the major historical milestones in the formation of the cities. Well, speaking of Tampa in particular, you're now a part of uh, the Mafia Tour of Cigar City. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I'm familiar with a lot of the areas because, you know, I spent a lot of time in Tampa Bay. And I spent a lot of time with uh, a few people who were, you know, around that area and around the people that were involved. So I kind of have a, a, you know, a rough draft of what's going on. But your tour... Yeah, in Tampa is showing us what exactly? Well, it's a walking tour of Ybor City, and for your listeners that are not familiar, actually, uh, Ybor is kind of a really interesting area of Tampa. It's one of the yeah, oldest sure um, Cuban communities in Tampa. So it was founded with the cigar industry, really, and it's it's Cuban, uh, Sicilian, Spanish uh, section of of Tampa. Still retains a lot of the old brick buildings and the ornate wrought iron architecture. Yeah, and it was always also kind of where the mob in Tampa and organized crime uh, kind of got its start, the genesis. So it's a walking tour of the neighborhood, showing the old nice. gambling halls and places where guys were were whacked <laughs> and other points uh, <laughs> of interest. Who's the uh, now? I, I mean, I, I'm asking for the audience. I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but who's the uh, the biggest? Uh, uh, mob head to come out of Tampa? Um, well, probably the, the most well-known is Santo Traficante. Um, but the, actually the first big mob boss uh, wasn't a Sicilian. It was a uh, guy by the name of Charlie Wall. Uh, they called him the White Shadow because he dressed all in white. And he was kind of an interesting figure. He pretty much ran the rackets up until the early 40s. And uh, he was um, not a street guy by any means. He was related to some of the more prominent, um, powerful local Tampa families. Um, but after he started fading from the scene, the, the Traficante, Santo Traficante Jr., really became the dominant name in organized crime in Tampa. And then, of course, his affiliations both with uh, the casinos and pre-Castro Cuba and many conspiracy theories around the Kennedy assassination and yeah. such really kind of, kind of made his name a little bit more pop-culturally relevant. Um, when you talk about uh, the tours now, is are are there, are there places still um, up and running? I mean, when we talk about some of the buildings and some of the places that uh, uh, house the gambling houses in Ebor City, um, while the Ebor still holds some of its uh, its charm, a lot of those buildings um, are really no more, if I remember correctly. Yeah, um, Florida doesn't do a, a great job at. at uh, maintaining its history, I know, uh, a lot it's of too it bad. Was, was torn down. Um, but there are still buildings. You know, they have the Columbia Restaurant. There are still places at a restaurant or bars now that were around back in the 30s that served different purposes back then. Um, so it's kind of a mix. I'd say about over half of the buildings still exist, and certainly a lot of the nice. locations, uh, corners where where these places existed are, are there. So all right. So if I'm if I'm in the Tampa Bay area and want to take a, a mafia tour with Scott Ducci. What do I have to do? 
Well, if you go to Cigar City Magazine, which is a local history magazine, and you click on the events tab, uh, it has our dates. Uh, we usually do it about once a month. But we also do private tours. I do other type of events. And, and we tend to, uh, tonight, for example, is my first tour uh, after taking the summer off, because for those listeners that don't know, walking around Tampa in the middle of the summer, <laughs> not, not really great. <laughs> for, uh, Gets, gets pretty. Uh, uh, yes, it does. And I under, you know, just so, just as a point of reference, Scott, um, I live in North Texas now, and uh, it's really hot here too. So I understand. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we do them once a month. Usually, like I said, the end of August, beginning of September. Tonight's our first one of the, the new season, if you will, and it nice. runs usually to the beginning of May. So, um, what are you, are you working on? Anything new uh, as far as uh, something that we can look forward to? To learn about the yeah, well, I, I just yeah, I just released a book uh, back in November last year called Cocktail Noir, which was which was kind of an interesting. It's a bar table book with a lot of cocktail recipes and stories of favorite drinks and bars of uh, crime writers and gangsters. So, okay, that, so that was kind of a cool book. Uh, I, yeah, I'm looking for. I'll, I'll definitely have to get it. I was looking. I here uh, in the near future, I was going to be talking to uh, Sandra Lansky, uh, daughter of the king. Yeah. Uh, who is uh, you know lives in Tampa Bay, and I'm familiar with her. Her son and I are uh, you know know each other, and uh, so I'm hoping to have her on the show uh, here soon uh, to talk a little bit about her life. I was reading just I'm like halfway through it. It was she's led a, an amazing life, and it was all you know due to uh, uh, Meyer Lansky, who was you know one of the kings and mob kingpins. Yeah, and uh, I I interviewed Sandy, and she actually provided some nice little anecdotes about Meyer's favorite drinks for a cocktail noir. Yeah, she's really fascinating. Nice. She has some she has some really great stories. Nice, very, I can't... very generous with her time. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, a little bit more about our fascination with uh, the mob uh, as we get into it. Um, I know that uh, you've got the tour coming, so just stay where you're at. Uh, Scott Dietschy. Yep. You can uh, check out uh, some more about Scott at uh, scottdietschy.com or you can go to cigarcitymagazine.com and uh, take the tour if you're in the Tampa Bay area. If you're not in the Tampa Bay area and want to take the tour, uh, planes are flying uh, into uh, Tampa International uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to the Jeff Fisher Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Jeff Fisher Show. Welcome to it. Joining me is Scott Ditchy. Scott, um, yep. uh, Scott is you know mob expert, uh, especially uh, when it comes to uh, the Tampa Bay area. But of course, uh, in covering Tampa Bay, you're covering the country. Uh, what happens in Florida is you know kicks off around the rest of the country for sure. Uh, especially in uh, guess where the stuff comes from. Um, I would say mm, Florida. Uh, well, for, before we get into our fascination a little bit, and, and you know, we all we all are fascinated because there's so been so many movies and television shows that have, uh, you know, highlighted what a. On one hand, it shows that they are these you know men that we love and we love because they get away with things that we would love to say. Oh, I'd like to get away with that too. 
but not really. I want to live vicariously through them because I don't want to end in a violent death like they're going to end up in. And in the end, they usually all end up in a violent death. Um, and I'm not sure where that fascination comes from if it isn't just from pop pop culture. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think certainly. I mean, if you look back even to the early years of cinema, you know, right around the early 1930s, you had gangster movies that were popular. And I, I think it does kind of plug into that fascination where you're kind of exactly like I said, looking vicariously through this this subgenre of of society that, you know, goes out all night drinking and gambling, you know, doesn't have to get up and work a nine to five job, you know, the the, you know, the nicest suits, the nicest cars going out to the fanciest restaurants. And in Goodfellas, I think Ray Liotta has the line there, you know, he's like, you know, now I, after he's out of it all, says, you know, now I have to live like an everyday schnook. And I, right. Yeah, that's certainly a, that's certainly a part of it. Um, yeah, actually, uh, before you're asking about new projects I'm working on, I'm, I'm actually working on a history of the mafia in New Jersey that'll be out later next year. And, and um, when you talk about nice. the mob in Jersey, you talk about the Sopranos. I mean, you want to talk about uh, something that's really kind of a, a touchstone pop yeah. moment. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, and look, yeah. you, for as as that as an example, I mean, they tried to, uh, and they and it worked. Uh, turn uh, you know Tony Soprano into this human being with everyday struggles, and yet on the same hand, I mean, he's just a bad guy. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. He's just a sociopath that uh, you know wants to rule his part of the world and and does and does it with violence. I mean, that's nobody wants to. Nobody really wants to know that guy. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you like <laughs> you like watching him. Yeah. You know, we all like to. You know, boy, that'd be that's that's great. I, I knew he was going to do that. I would do the same thing. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the things that uh, fascinates me with uh, the mob, and especially now, I mean, we we have a fascination with the mafia, but and they're all they are really is a gang, and we have a fascination with not liking gangs but we like the mob and uh i mean i'm not sure what that where that distinction came from except that uh you know gangs i guess associated with the uh, prison and mob associates with fine restaurants and partying all night so it uh you know we're happy with that yeah and you know that don't think this is a uniquely american phenomenon because uh you know take for take japan for example they have the yakuza over there by far the largest organized crime group in the world. Uh, and they have movies and books and TV shows and about them. Uh, same thing in Russia with Russian organized crime, China with the triads. Um, there's a fascination with this, and I think it has to do with the organizational, almost like a, almost like a shadow government kind of group, as opposed to, you know, a couple kids on the street breaking into cars and throwing rocks through right. windows. Uh, so I, I do, I think it's that level that they're at that level of sophistication where like you said it's it's you know the russian mobsters are not only you know shaking down store owners and running drugs but hey they're jetting off to monaco for a weekend on the yacht Uh, so so i definitely think that you hit on that part of it and that that's really the fascination uh, with with that with a mob as opposed to like a like a low-level street gang if you will We've always heard uh, for years that, uh, you know, the code of silence and once you're in, you're in. Uh, and, uh, you know, nobody wants to be the the uh, nobody wants to be the, the guy that uh, is uh, telling on anybody. But uh, when, I mean, that really changed. 
in, you know, I don't even know how long ago, but it's been a while now where uh, people just turn tail and run and tell everything they know just to stay, you know, live their own life. Um, when did that change? I think that's, you know, Joe Valachi was the first, like, big mob rat. But, I mean, there always were informers because, you know, this kind of thing about honor among thieves is is kind of overblown because, you know, hey, I'm, that guy's taking my business. I'm going to go inform on the cops on him and get him out of the way. <laughs> you know, that's where it started. But I, but I think certainly over the last 20 years, that code of omerta broke down. And I think some of it might be generational, too, where, you know, the old school guys grew up on the street. The new guys grow up in the suburbs, and the you know the the prospect of doing 20 years in maximum security prison to a kid that grew up in a pretty affluent New Jersey suburb not too appealing. So you'll want to do what you can to to uh, you know, save right, right, and it definitely is not too appealing. All right, so Scott, you're working on the new book on the mobsters in Jersey. Uh, we can go to scottdigi.com. Uh, and you got the mafia tour. I actually, if I had the time, I'd fly in and take the tour tonight. <laughs> I'd love to have you if you come I, back to visit Tampa I, for sure. I, I want to bad. Uh, so you can go to a cigar city magazine, uh, dot com and, uh, click on it's right on the front page and uh, take the tour. If you're in the Tampa Bay area, uh, that's wonderful. When you, uh, when you get the new book, uh, we'll stay in touch and uh, we'll talk about it at length for sure. Uh, Scott, did you, thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. So there you have, you know, Scott's such a, such a nice guy and I really appreciate him coming on today. But you know, one of the things that, uh, uh, we should talk about how the, you know, I, you look, I spent many years in Tampa Bay, so I'm still fascinated with the Tampa Bay area, but one of the big, uh, you know, gambling games that they had was called Bolito. And it was, you know, that was precursor to the Florida lottery and uh, they probably ran it better than the Florida lottery. Probably made a lot more. I don't know if they made more money, but, uh, in the, you know, per capita playing that stupid game they probably did but we'll have to talk about that game as well it's fascinating uh, how they made their money on that and that was uh, started i think with the from the wall guy uh the white shadow all right we'll wrap this thing up last half hour just around the corner on the blaze radio network this is the jeff fisher show only on the blaze radio network Show is on. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride today. You can uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JeffyMRA, Facebook Jeff Fisher Radio, Instagram at JeffyMRA. Coming up after this show is Chris Salcedo, and then Mike Slater, and then Joe Pags, all live right here on the Blaze Radio Network. Saturdays. Saturdays. And in fact, uh, there will be, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about this or not. Okay, well, see, now that kind of ticks me off because then I hear from New York in my ear. I don't think so yet. That means, you know what that says to me? Talk about it. When I hear in my ear, I don't think so yet. We probably shouldn't talk about that. That means I have to talk about it means I have to, right?
I have to talk about the news. I can't. I can't not talk about it, can I? I mean, it's uh, it's impossible for me to be told, hey, don't talk about something and then not talk about it. I mean, that that's telling me to talk about it. It's like, hey, don't put your finger on that. That's hot. Oh, man, you were right. That's hot. Why didn't I just listen to you? Because I'm an idiot. That's why. And if someone says, hey, don't talk about it, I have to talk about it. So you can, uh, after the show, one of the things that will be up, of course, you can, you know, theblaze.com slash radio, and you go to the Jeff Fisher Show link, and we always have, you know, segments up for you to download and take with you wherever you go. Well, one of the things that will be up there today will be something called the joke of the day. And I want you to just enjoy that and take that with you, and there will be more coming. It may not be every day yet, okay? Uh, just because I'm lazy and I just don't feel like doing it. And then we've got the Walking Dead podcast I've got to do. I mean, how much work can I do for you people? My gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, I, I, have to, I have to be behind a microphone live five hours a day. <laughs> Whew. I mean, five whole hours a day? Are you listening to what I'm telling you? Okay. And then, then you expect me to give you other stuff, <laughs> whatever. And then I got, you know, we got the Facebook live thing we've got to do. Yeah. There's going to be another, you can, uh, follow me on Twitter and I'll tell you, let you know, uh, when our Facebook live is today, or you can follow the blaze, uh, web Facebook page, the blaze Facebook page, and they'll give you an alert when we do the Facebook live. And we're going to do one today. And we did one last week. Gave you the behind-the-scenes tour here at Mercury Studios, uh, Brad and I. And uh, we went behind the scenes, and we saw them working on the new set, and we gave you a look of that. And we gave away a couple of hats that I had stashed in a locker that I forgot about. And uh, you never know. You never know. I might have some more stuff stashed in a locker to give away. I may have, uh, plus today, uh, we're going to do a little bit of uh, behind-the-scenes shot. We didn't do uh, the, the front behind-the-scenes, you know, maybe like the television studio, television control room. And the, you know, where Blaze Radio actually happens. (laughs) Yeah, you may have thought you've seen a picture here or there of Blaze Radio in Dallas. (laughs) Where I broadcast this magical broadcast from. But I'll give you behind the scenes of that as well today. Plus, plus, we are going to do something that I don't think has ever been done on Facebook Live before, ever. And I know, I know that it has not been done here in the Mercury Studios building. And I also know that it's going to end up breaking something. (laughs) And so when it breaks, when I break something, or I mean when Brad breaks something, um... Man, am I going to say I told him so and we shouldn't have done it. But just remember that, uh, you know, for you NASCAR fans out there, okay, you ain't bumping, you ain't racing. So I'll let you know that. Okay. All right, back to the uh, the big news. Uh, Texas has a number of small cities, best for families. 
I was looking at this man. We got there's a lot of them. There's they came out with a list of the top, you know, best small cities in in the country for families. And uh, one is uh, Wiley, Texas. Number one, Wiley, Texas, and that's you know, thirty miles outside of Dallas, which is really kind of like living in Dallas. That's part of the Metroplex. I mean, heck, I live not. I, I probably live about thirty miles outside of Dallas in my city, and I still, you know, it's the Fort, the Metroplex, DFW, Spring Hill, Tennessee, Leander, Texas, Bentonville, Arkansas. Wonder what is in Bentonville, Arkansas? That's so great. Hmm, wonder what it is that's so great. I wonder. What, oh, that's right, the home of Walmart, uh, Carmel, Indiana, Pearland, Texas. That's down there, in Houston, I think. Houston, in the Houston Metroplex, League City, Texas, another Houston Metroplex, Allen, Texas, twenty-five, twenty-seven miles north of Dallas. Been to Allen, love it. It actually is a, a really nice place. Uh, Little Elm, uh, Wildwood, Missouri. These are all small cities uh, around the country that you could live in that are best for families. I don't know, you know, if you're thinking about moving or want to think for filling them. They've got the best small cities for families in the Northeast. All right, here you go, New Yorkers. Best small cities for families in the Northeast. Shelton, Connecticut. Melrose, Massachusetts. Saratoga Springs, New York. Milford, Connecticut. Warwick, Rhode Island. I will tell you that I've lived in the Northeast and not one of those cities would I live in. Shelton, Connecticut. I'm not living in Connecticut. Milford, I know, I got you. Don't, don't, don't put your nose up at me, Connecticuts. I like it. It's pretty, but I'm not living there. Massachusetts, uh, you know. Rhode Island, I guess maybe, but that's really pushing wintertime up there. I'm sticking to Pennsylvania, okay? I'm not talking about Philadelphia, although, but... You get up into Pennsylvania, up into the northeast of Pennsylvania there, uh, around uh, close to the New Jersey border. Uh, it might, they may tell you it's not good for families, but it is. I'm telling you about the Jeff Fisher poll. tells you that's where to live. Now let's look out west. Syracuse. Syracuse, Utah. Hmm, okay. Sammamish, Washington. Maricopa, Arizona. Lake Stevens, Washington. Kaysville, Utah, both in Utah is beautiful, and I could actually live in the state of Utah. Uh, we spent some time out there, and uh, I could live in the state of Utah. It's really nice. Arizona, ooh, I don't know. I live, I've been in Arizona a couple times, and it's kind of like uh, worse than North Texas and Florida. It gets a little, how shall we say, hot. I know that's a surprise. It's in the desert. In the Midwest, uh, Carmel, Indiana, Wildwood, Missouri, uh, Anakinney, Iowa, Woodbury, Minnesota, Dublin, Ohio. Uh, you no. Know, none of those places. Don't want to live there. In other news, this this story, let me just do a plethora of stories, some more stories that I haven't had a chance to uh, get to and just sit in my pile uh, forever, and then I end up throwing them away, and nobody. And then a year from now, somebody goes, do you remember that story? Yes, I do. I remember reading it and then never talking about it. Remember in prison, when you were in prison like me years ago, and what was the currency, right? Cigarettes. You needed cigarettes for currency so that you could trade them for food, for drugs, whatever you wanted. At least when I was in prison, that's the way it was. Man, that was a long time ago. 
Today, currency of choice. In prison is how far we've fallen in America, really. I mean, this is this is really when our prisons are using this for currency. I mean, we've fallen bad. We've fallen bad. Ramen noodles. Ramen noodles, currency in prison. There, it was an entire informal economy based on ramen noodles, according to this guy who did a year interviewing 60 inmates and prison staffers at a state prison, which he you know, doesn't want to tell anybody what prison it was. Uh, he claims it housed thousands of inmates. Now, he presented his findings earlier this week at uh, the American Sociological Association, and who isn't a member of the American Sociological Association? Uh, prisoners use it to hire other inmates for services. I bet they do. Oh, he says, like cleaning out their bunk or doing their laundry or purchase goods on the black market, like fresh fruits or vegetables. Uh-huh. Right. Okay, Mr. Push-Ups. But sometimes uh, they do it for just what they need. You can tell how good a man's doing financially by how many soups he's got in his locker. 20 soups? Oh, that guy's doing good. Now, I would venture to say, this is just me, it wouldn't surprise me to say, a guy is interviewing me, I'm in prison. Whatever you do, don't tell him exactly what we use for currency. Tell him... Uh, just tell him uh, ramen noodles. Nobody will believe it. And yet, when he makes his huge find at the American Sociological Association, yes, that's what they told me. Currency, they use ramen noodles. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Chris Salcedo standing by, sitting by, laying by on his sofa, probably still waiting to, you know, take the helm at the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater and Joe Pags coming up later in the day as well. Thanks for coming along for the ride today. Don't forget you can follow me on Twitter at JeffyMRA, Facebook Jeff Fisher Radio, Instagram at JeffyMRA. Before I tell you what you can do over, you know, over the weekend to have some fun, uh, because I am going to be doing this, count on it, and I, we may even Facebook Live it. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about. As I was sitting here in the break, I bring up theblaze.com. and of course, it shows me the weirdo doctor, the weirdo Trump doctor that's making news all over the Trump's going to have the greatest, most healthy president of all time ever. Okay, whatever. But there's a story on the 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick. And the headline is, refuses to stand for national anthem during pregame. And he reveals why. Now, the preseason game against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday, he didn't stand. In fact, 
the cameras show him sitting on the bench while everyone else is standing. He cited oppression of black people in America is why he didn't stand for the national anthem. When asked about it, Collins said, I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. To me, this is bigger than football, and it would be selfish on my part to look the other way. There are bodies in the street and people getting paid leave and getting away with murder. I'm not looking for approval and only wanted to stand up for people that are oppressed. If they take away, if they take football away, my endorsements, I know I stood for what is right. The 49ers organization supported Kaepernick's right to participate in the national anthem in a statement. In respecting such American principles as freedom of religion and freedom of expression, we recognize the right of an individual to choose to participate or not in our celebration of the national anthem. Is that right, San Francisco 49ers organization? Colin? I think you just picked a fight you don't want to pick. Uh, I'm sure all those bodies you have to climb over just to get to the stadium and to get in your gated community is being oppressed. I'm sure of that. I'm sure you see all that huge oppression out there in the world. The facts just don't hold up for you, Colin. And besides, I'm reminded that, you know, what did you have, one good year? Oh, well, I know you got a nice contract. If they take it away, I know you'll stood up for what is right. Uh Uh-huh. We'll see how you feel after they take it away. They won't, I know, but we can dream. All right, here you go. Asked on uh, Tumblr, wanted something to do for their birthday. The response they got of what to do, one of the best ideas I have heard in a long, long time to do with family members and friends. You ready? You each go to a different car dealership. You know the ones that give you free coffee to make you feel at home and take the same make it take you all take the same make and model car out for a test drive. Meet up with each other at a predetermined location. Park the cars around to form us a, a ring. Put all the salesmen together in the middle with some gladiator-style weapons and tell them that you'll buy the car from whoever lives. Come on now. That is tremendous. Now, obviously, obviously you don't want people to fight and kill each other and harm each other. However, it would be nice to put them in the ring and say, the cheapest one sells me the car. Otherwise, we're going to stay here all day long. I'm just going to sip on my free coffee and have a couple of extra hot dogs that I put in the back. Yeah. Be fun. Come on now. You know it would be. This is the Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.